0: So, with that being said, turn over to 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I'm so excited to be with you this morning. Amen? Amen. It's good to be alive. Amen. It's good to be in the will of God. That's really awesome. And um, so, I'm excited. Let me read a few things. Uh, I'll start second service a little different than I did first, but let's go jump on into Scripture real quick. In 2 Corinthians, starting in chapter 4, verses 1 through 5, it says it this way... Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we receive mercy, we do not lose heart. Look to your neighbor and say, do not lose heart. But we have renounced the things hidden because of shame, not walking in craftiness and adulterating the word of God, but by the manifestation of truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. And even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing, In whose case the God of this world has blinded the minds of the unbelieving so that they might not see the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God. For we do not preach ourselves but Christ Jesus as Lord and ourselves as your bondservants for Jesus' sake. Amen. Amen so here paul writing his second letter to the corinthian church is talking about this ministry he has and if you actually went back a chapter at towards the end he begins to communicate this um, ministry he has in the last two verses 17 and 18 he says now the lord is spirit and where the spirit of the lord is there's liberty or there's freedom he says but we all with unveiled face beholding as in a mirror the glory of the lord are being transformed into the same image from glory to glory just as the, uh, the Lord, the Spirit. Amen? So, he ends up taking the whole third chapter and giving this analogy that, you know, when this thing of God was revealed, it was revealed in glory even though it brought condemnation. In essence, it communicated that you, inside you, you're not gonna be able to attain to the standard required to be right with God. And, but it came with glory, so much glory that Moses had to put a veil over his face when he came out of the presence of God. Because, man, the presence of God will just uh, deal with sin. Are you with me? The stronger God's presence, the more sin will be um, um shown, and it will be very uncomfortable to be in its presence. Listen, when the glory came down on the mountain, what did the Lord say? Don't let anyone touch it. Because if they do, what's gonna happen to them? They're gonna die. If you are in a Bible believing word preaching full of the Holy Ghost church, And you're living in sin life should always be very uncomfortable for you in that church if it's easy to do what you do (laughs) Only two things are happening one your conscience is so seared which would not be good Or number two You're not in that church. That's preaching those things Are you with me? hallelujah And even if your conscience gets that seared, if the presence shows up, you're going to be in some serious trouble. You're going to be in some serious trouble because God cannot be. His full manifestation of glory is not going to be in sin, be around it. Sin will be pushed out of the way, be dealt with. Are you with me? So, Paul's talking about this thing we preach is revealing glory, and we don't have to keep our vase veiled anymore because the Spirit of God's upon us. Amen. The glory of God actually exists within us. And so he's talking about when I received this uh, ministry by his mercy because, you know, Paul was totally against this ministry, the ministry of God's glory through Jesus Christ. He, in fact, was trying to do everything he could to stop that. But then he was confronted with it. I said he was confronted with it, and he repented immediately. Who are you, Lord? <laughs> right? When he's knocked off his, um, his um, uh, transportation on the road to Damascus, and he can't see a thing anymore because of how bright the light is. Who are you, Lord? When that voice says, why do you persecute me and kick against the goads, right? Right? And so, who are you, Lord? And He uh, made a change and His revelation of who God was. Changed on that day, Amen. And so, what He said is, at that point, He passionately began to pursue that life. That's why, in His second verse, He said, "Listen, now that I've obtained this, I don't lose heart because I renounce the things that were there." In fact, He even said this in His His letter to the Philippian church. He said, "Whatever was gained to me before Christ, I count as dung. It was a waste." It's nothing it's loss compared to what I've received from Christ amen and so we've got to be able to realize that once we recognize God everything prior to our relationship with him is nothing and we want to renounce that disassociate our lives without don't do anything with that type of living again are you with me this time Forty years ago, in 19, 48 years ago in 1970, at 1254 a.m., Peggy Glisson gave birth to this guy, to this guy, okay? And so, I naturally manifested in the earth. I celebrate 48 years now on this planet, physically being seen. I had nine months in the womb that no one saw me, but I was here. I was in the unseen, but I existed. Because the scripture tells me I did. He tells, tells me that even before I got my mom's womb, he knew me, which means I was in existence. I might not have realized it, but I was. So I actually existed before I got my mom's womb, so when I got in there, I'm alive. In the natural, that is. And so my mom gave birth to me, and I came out. Uh, uh, a whopping 11 pounds, uh, seven pounds, 11 ounces, seven pounds, 11 ounces, not 11 pounds. I wasn't that big. I'm still not that big. Seven pounds, 11 ounces, 21 inches long. And, um, you know, my dad was excited. This was his son, okay? He had a daughter first, three and a half years earlier, and now here's his son. Now, there was some debate concerning my name. My mom initially wanted, and she thought when she had a son, that she would name me, get this, Stephen Paul. Yeah, Stephen Paul was the original name my mom had. But my uncle buddy, my dad's brother, had a son first, and they named him Stephen Michael. So there goes that name. It's off the plate, right? I don't know. We could have named this different. I could have been named like Stephen Bradshaw, S-T-E-P-H-E-N, instead of like my cousin, but for whatever reason, it went off at that point uh, the next name came up Gregory Frank that was my dad's dad's name but that didn't make the cut so then my dad said well Peggy I don't know that I'll ever have another son Um, and so I don't want him to have my name because my dad didn't like his name my dad's first name was Enoch (laughs) so I could have been Stephen Paul and I could have been Enoch are you with me right now? You hear what I'm saying? Stephen, the first martyr, I mean, live for God, anointed of God. Paul, who wrote over half of the New Testament. Enoch, who was with God and just kept on going. But my name's Earl. <laughs> At least it means nobility, and I am that. Thanks to Jesus. Hallelujah. <laughs> so, my dad said, I'm not going to give him my name. He didn't care for his name. It was it's Enoch Washington, actually. And Enoch has been a family name every generation until ours. Enoch had been in the in the family. It was cut off with my dad. My dad cut it off, all right? Couldn't get any of my kids to name me either. Brianna's the only one, and my son-in-law, Todd, is anti-Enoch's. So... <laughs> I don't know what's happening there, but pray for him. Are you with me? Pressure just mounted. This is good. And he turns the corner. (laughs) Anyway, because could it be that Jesus would return with one of their children and that he would be a type of shadow of the same Enoch? He walked and then... I'm just saying, man. I'm just saying. Don't you want to have that child that you're like, I gave birth to Enoch second time around? (laughs) Right? Okay. Anyway, so with that being said, you know, they named me Earl Wayne, and so for a while I was known as Little Earl, but then my mom thought, but what if he's always little? So that was right. Now, I could have been smaller because on my dad's mother's side, uh, my grandma Hartley, which her name was Bertie Lee, okay, she was four foot 11. Yeah. And her brothers, the tallest brother she had, was five foot two. And when they would come into town, wherever it was that they grew up from, they were known as the little people. True story. So, my mom thought, what if I never got bigger than them? <laughs> and I have this name, Little Earl. So, because they didn't call me Little Earl, I got five inches taller <laughs> than the shortest or the tallest um, son in that family. And so, I'm a whopping five foot seven and three quarters with heels five eight. <laughs> All right. And, um, so, you know, they were all excited to, to have me in their life, for sure, and still to this day. Thank you. So, but something happened very significant in June of 1979, because you celebrate or, you know, people celebrate. I've got text cards, different things. You know, we like to celebrate our birthdays. But there's another date of birth that is dear to me, and that is in June of 1979. I really need to go back and because our you know phones allow us to go all the way to 1979 and look at the Sundays and say now God which one was it because it was one of those Sundays in June of 1979 that I was born again born twice my second time and I I remember very specifically being at home Saturday night I had decided that I was gonna go down and get born again pastor Wayne Harvey was the pastor of First Baptist Church in Archer, Florida, and I was—I had decided I'm going to ask Jesus to be my Savior. I want him to come into my heart and save me. I want to not die and go to hell, okay? And I was sincere, and I'll never forget the church, you know, was white, had stained glass, red carpet, and red pews for the blood, man. We sat in the blood all the time. And I remember sitting over on this side with you guys. I was on the... Um, see, there was a middle row, and then it had two side rows, and I was on that side road, and I remember coming out of that little pew and coming down. I was probably about three-quarters, you know, because I was a pretty good Baptist, you know. Most of them sit in the back anyway. <laughs> and so I came out from that seat and came all the way down and got down front. I don't remember what he preached. All I know was I, he said, are you ready to make Jesus your Savior? I said, yes, sir, and I prayed. My mom cried. My sister, I don't remember what happened to her. She probably cried too because she's emotional. And um, I got born again. And so I followed God in infancy for the next four years, the best that I could, because everything I heard was about being born again, and I had done that. And that, you know, you are live for God, but, you know, I'm not really sure how that works other than you're not supposed to do things. And, um, you know, uh, just not a lot of teaching there. And then when I got into high, you know, junior high, about 13, 14 years old, um, because I wasn't really equipped my mind started to slip because of things. And so, you know, uh, when I ran through the, you know, junior high and high school, you know, I kind of lived like everybody else. Went to church on Sunday, but lived like everybody else. And uh, that's just an unfortunate truth. So, you know, I would say then from 83, 84, um, you know, I ran in the world. um, Best that, you know, I wasn't, you know, as much as my opportunities would let me, let's put it that way. I still had a, a level of fear of God in my dad's belt, um, that I wasn't in total rebellion, but what I could get away with, I did, and what they didn't know, I didn't tell, just like most teenagers still today. So, what'd you do? Nothing. So, you didn't go to the house? Well, yeah. So, they're just waiting to see how much you know before they tell you what they've done. Are you with me? And all, all the parents are doing, teens, is for you to just come clean first, Okay. Anyway, um, so, you know, I went through high school, uh, had a lot, some, you know, challenges, and high school things were great, but the reality is, is that um, my dad started to lose his business, lost his health, um, ended up working for someone else, never saw me play football my senior year, came back in the, because he actually had to move away to try to do work, was living by himself down in Naples trying to provide for us. And um, I was avoiding everything by just staying connected with school and sports and different things like that. And um, he comes back home in the spring, diagnosed with cancer. Uh, uh, what is it? Um, he had things in his, in his brain, brain tumors, thank you. And uh, Emphysema, obviously smoked and drank all of his life. And so as a result of that, um, it took his life 15 days after I graduated from high school. So, um, you know, my life became an emotional mess at that point. Um, I had a scholarship right out of high school to go to college, paid in full. Um, Went, but because of being undisciplined in my mind and where you have to start just to get credits was stuff I took in the eighth grade, uh, I was bored. And so I didn't finish stuff. And um, I was pursuing the wrong things, running in different directions. So, I found myself, you know, in in this state of, you know, I'm going to do my own thing and my my brother-in-law was able to apprehend me and say, why don't you go join the service? And so, I did the summer of 89, delayed entry and went in 1990 into basic training, okay? And so, I was in the service. So, about 1991, you know, still just kind of living life like I want to, popping into church whenever. Um... I go out with one of my friends on a blind date in February 91, and I meet this person. Now, this person messed me up, okay? I don't know why that is because, you know, in the natural, this person should have never messed me up. Uh, I should have ran, honestly. Um, Not because there's anything wrong with her. It's just where our lives were, to be honest with you. Uh, But I didn't. And so on my 21st birthday, I came to St. John's County for spring break, rented a house at Crescent Beach. I could show it to you today. I thought about buying it every once in a while, um, but honestly, <laughs> I'd have to tear it down. You understand what I'm saying? <laughs> I had to tear it down to start over. So um, anyway, my wife, um, that wasn't my wife at the time, she came and hung out. Um, during spring break on the weekend and um, something happened that I started to pursue her two months later I was gonna get rid of her because I thought man I can't do this deal because my life's a mess honestly my pursuit what I'm doing I've got this conflict on the inside of me okay you know it's just not good enough to be born You know, we do a lot of to-do about birthdays. And don't get me wrong, man, I love each year. I love each year. I love each year. Because the Bible tells me if I'll follow him, I'll go from glory to glory, faith to faith. And if I'll go from glory to glory, faith to faith, every year be better for me. So every time I have a birthday, I say, well, I'm just better. Not because of who I am, but because of who he is in me. Because if I pursue him, then he'll open doors, he'll do things, he'll cause my purpose to show up. I'll get closer to my destiny, and I can achieve my destiny before I leave the planet. Can I get an amen? But my destiny will take my lifetime, and I don't want my life to end right now, guys, honestly. I don't want it over today. I'm too young. I told my sister yesterday when I uh, FaceTimed her, I said, you know, they say we're getting old, but honestly, I ain't found it yet. I haven't gotten there yet. Now, I'm sure when I was 20 like some of you, you thought, wow, 48-year-old. You don't even know what old is because I ain't found it yet. I got here and it ain't here. I just want you to know. Last year on my 47th birthday, I did the Gate River Run. Can I get an amen, you Gate River Run runners? Yeah. I mean, let's go. Let's do something. Let's keep going. Why? Because I'm getting better each year. But it isn't the day I was born. It was the second time I was born that I get most jacked about because God reached down in his mercy and found me. And that's thing that got a hold of me in 79, though my mind wasn't connected with my spirit at all. I had not renewed my mind to the things of God, yet there was something always on the inside of me, the Holy Ghost talking to my spirit saying, "My gosh man, there's something better. My gosh, man, there's something better. Strive up to something better." My wife was, uh, had her second birthday in, 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 in her eighth year, so she's been born again the sec- she's been in her t- she's older to me in the new birth. She got born again at eight. I was nine, I was a late bloomer. So she's older than me in being born again. I'm older than her in natural birth. But there was always something in her and me that was pulling on us. We knew their life had to be better. And somehow, through the chaos of life and and the direction of just not pursuing God, we came across each other. And should have ran, but didn't. And so I went to go, I think it was, you know, probably May. Could have been around her birthday, honestly, you know, because I was that kind of guy, you know. I'd dump you on your birthday. Um, I mean, the Bible's clear. When there's light in you and you go dark, how dark's dark? I could tell you stories how bad I was. I'm not because I don't give the devil any glory, but I tell you how I was bad. To have that kind of light on the inside of you and, and live to the flesh, I was bad. Anyway, so I went, but yeah, I didn't. And it was in that moment that I realized, hmm, man, I'm going to marry this girl. And that scared me. See, because I was raised, all you do is say I do. My mom and dad were married 25 years before he passed away. My dad wasn't born again the majority of their marriage. In fact, the last 18 months, he actually got a relationship with the Lord that basically kept him out of hell. This is really all that happened. But thank God for that. I'll see my dad again. Thank God for that. But he never, you know, walked in the fullness of God ever, ever. He stayed infant the whole time he was in the earth. My mom, on the other hand, did the best she could do. Thank God for her. Thank God she raised me in church. Thank God she raised me in church. Anyway, um, so here's me and my wife, you know. Uh, I realized, man, I, 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 I do. Her, on the other hand, she's had a different experience with marriages. Not only growing up, but unfortunately in her own personal life. And so, you know, for me, I'm fixing to marry and be husband and dad all in one shot. And so I realize I'm in a great deficit. And that something on the inside of me, that second birth started talking to me. And I'll never forget, we were in, um, it was the summer of 91, probably June, honestly. My wife and I um, decided we were gonna go Or maybe it was... um, We weren't married at the time. Maybe it was July. July of 91, we went to Westside Baptist Church in Gainesville, Florida. And I realized if I'm going to pursue her, I better get my life right with God. Because all I knew was this. I was laying in the bed at 900 Oakland Drive, Archer, Florida. Laying in my bed, crying and saying, God, what am I doing with my life? What am I doing? And, and who is this girl I'm with? And "Man." I said, if, "If I go this thing, man, I got to go all in, and I don't know what I'm doing. All I know about you is you're the best. And that's basically, in a nutshell, and generally, that's it. That's all I know. But that was enough. Amen. I said, "You're the best." So if I'm going to do this, I, I'm going to have to go all in with you, and she will too. And we did. We both went down to the altar together and said, "We're going to follow God." We're going to follow God. We got married. Once, long after that, we still was attending that church. And my relationship with my oldest son changed. I'll never forget, we were sitting in the parking lot fixing to leave and he was popping off to his mom and I turned around and I said, you better sit down, you tell her yes, ma'am, no, ma'am. And I'm not your buddy, I'm not your pal. And things shifted in our relationship that day because I started to establish a boundary. Wow. God's been good to me. He's been good to me. It was in 1991 that this saving grace that came to my life in 79 manifested its fullness because I said, you're Lord. Today, I'm going to follow you. It was the moment that Paul said, I renounced the things, I renounced it, the flesh, I'm done with you. And anything that you ever show me along the way now, Lord, with whatever it is, I'm going to get rid of it. If you talk to me about something, I'm done. If was a hindrance, it's over. And I've done that. Anytime he dealt with something I was doing, anytime he began to show something, we stopped it. She stopped it. We stopped it. We just kept going. So we immediately said, well, let's kill an age gap. We had a child right at the gate. Month into our marriage, she's pregnant. Maybe two. By the next year, I have two sons. Two years later I have three and I stopped it. But what I want to know, I want you to understand this, is that I had to come to this decision that I put things aside, and from now on, for me to continue to move forward, I was gonna have to live a life of crucifixion. In Galatians chapter 2, verse 20, it says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I live now in the flesh, that's not living fleshly. Are of the flesh that's living in a skin suit okay and so now the life that I live while in this body I live how by faith how do you live by faith hearing God's word and we've been talking about last couple weeks voice recognition and voice activation and so I live by faith and I begin to follow God the best way I knew how I would and the first thing I knew was that you go to church I wasn't baptized in the Holy Ghost, but I knew. You go to church. You go to church, and it's amazing. If you'll just come to church, how God will talk to you. My goodness, people all running out in the world, and you trying to find an answer from God when he habitually... On a regular schedule, based upon his appointed times, through the gifts he's placed in the church, will give instruction to his children week in, week out, day in, day out. I had no formal Bible knowledge, yet God was able to begin to navigate my steps through a simple crucifixion of the flesh and coming to church. let's pray that the catching away of the church doesn't happen on a daylight savings day. God forbid, because one hour messed people up. I'm just looking at us right now. First service, I realized, well, I guess everybody's coming to second, but everybody couldn't even make it a second today. That one hour messed you up. I lost an hour. Right? I lost an hour. How many of you went to bed like that? Oh, I'm going to lose an hour. So, you didn't go in faith. That's what I'm saying. Why didn't you go to bed and say, Father, I thank you that tonight, even though it jumps forward an hour, I'll be so awake, I'll be so alive, I'll be ready. Now, you can do that, but most didn't, did they? How many of you woke up this morning and thought, it's really yesterday's day, time? It was 6 a.m. He goes, it's really 5 a.m. You just told yourself that again. Come on, Anybody? I did. I was up at 4.30 this morning, and I said, well, this time yesterday, it was 3.30. Right? We trying to live in yesterday. Okay. No, it's today. This is the day that the Lord has made, and I'll rejoice and be glad in it. So, I had to put that behind and say, this is my time. I'm not going to be slow. I'm not going to be dragging around. I'm going to be excited about God, man. I'm going to be passionate about him. I'm not going to let one hour disrupt my whole routine. Come on, we got a little... We tougher than this, right? We're tougher than this as believers. We can handle more than a time change. Are you with me? Good news is our state has voted to keep it this way. Come on, can I get an amen? The problem is that we got to get Congress to actually give us the okay to do that. But if they do, we'll never have to experience the fall again. I said, we'll never have to experience the fall again. We can always stay forward. Hallelujah. Because it's better in the light, guys. I said, it's better in the light. So, with that being said, if you stay in 2 Corinthians chapter 4, go back there, but jump down to verse 13. Again, Paul received, by the mercy of God, this ministry, and he said, don't lose heart. What's he saying? He said, don't lose heart. Listen, what I'm saying and what we're doing, not everybody sees it or believes it, and those that don't believe it or see it, they're blinded by the devil anyway, because here's my whole life. My life is not to glorify me, but him, because I've become a bondservant, and a bondservant means as I willfully choose every day to stay connected to the master. That's what a bondservant is. A bondservant is not someone who has to be there. A bondservant is someone who has willingly submits themselves to the master. In essence, the master says you're free to go and do whatever you want to, but the bondservant says, where am I going to go? Because you bring life to me, and I don't want to go out on my own. I want to stay connected to you. And so I, I lay down a life to build on my own, and I let my life be built with you. It's the greatest choice ever. Because, man, when you let God build your life, whoo, hallelujah, I tell you, he'll take you from places, he'll do things in you you never could imagine. I know he's done it in my life, and I'm excited about where he's taking me. And I feel like I've just gotten started. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, starting verse 13, it said, and having the same spirit of faith according to what is written, I believe, therefore I spoke. Voice activated, man. I've got this same spirit of faith in me. My gosh, God has decided he would use me. That needs to be resonate in our hearts. He's gonna use me. That's more important than. I turned 48 today. You know what? God's going to use me. God loved me so much that he sent his son Jesus, reached all the way down into my life and put his blood there that if I would acknowledge him, he would pull me out of the depths of despair, the depths of destruction. In fact, he pulled me out of a generational curse. Woo! glory to God, he pulled me out of a generational curse. There was a curse running through my family, man. It had made it to my grandpa, to my dad, and was coming for me. I don't know anything about my grandpa's, on my dad's side, my grandpa's father, my great-grandfather. I don't know anything about him, never heard anything about him. Don't know. But I know my, my grandpa, Frank, that I never met. And the reason I never met him, because he died at 51. That's three years from where I'm at right now. Seriously? Three more years? And I'll never forget my dad. My whole life would say, I'll die the same age as my dad, and he did, 51. And in my backslidden condition, I'd run up there, run down there to the cemetery, and I'd put the best music for getting depressed, country music. Yeah, I'd put on a song by Conway Twitty. That's my my job. About a dad, you know, that's my job, son, that's my job. And I just "Ah," cry, you know, missing my dad. In the natural, you understand. And then I heard this thought, come, you'll die the same age as your dad. And I began to sing that with the songs. Probably kept that thought for about a couple months, honestly, maybe three. But somewhere in there, someone else started talking to me. See, the the most excited birthday I'm ready to get to on planet Earth is 52. And I'll get there should the Lord tarry. The only way I'm out of here at 51 is because the Lord came back. That's it. Outside of that, I'm going to live a long life full of purpose, finishing my course, because I honor my mother and my father, so all my days will be long. With a long life, God said he'll satisfy me, and I got a heavenly father that trumps anything the devil could try to bring from one generation to the next. Are you with me? But I had to break that off. And do you know, it still tries to talk to me through the years. Sure it has. You're getting closer. I'll get past. Now, you understand, I got to get past to get it off. I got to get past the age to get it off, but I'm armed every time it comes. Amen. Amen. I speak over my body. I talk to my body. I exercise my body. I put the right things inside my body. I'm not going to give any occasion. I don't want any occasion. Why? Not in fear to let the devil know it's broke with me because I come from a different dad. See, Enoch Washington, Glisten was a part of a natural birth of this man right here. But in 79, I got another lineage. I came from another family. And I got the blood of Jesus on me. And then I started living for the family in 91, July 91. And I've been walking in that family and in the covenant of that family and in the power of that family and in the benefits of that family as he's taught me about it. Hallelujah. 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 So I believe, therefore I spoke. Verse 14, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will, also, uh, will, all, will raise us also with Jesus and will present us with you. For all these things are for your sake, so that the grace which is spreading to more and more people may cause the giving of thanks to abound in the glory of God. I'm going to tell you about my second birth because I want to extend this glory and grace to you to know that God's not a respecter of person. And that when your next birthday comes, it shouldn't be, oh, me. It should be, yes, Lord. Yes, Lord. And you put yourself in remembrance of that second birth you had. And that's why you're still around. And why God needs you here. And why we're dedicated to his purpose. Because it goes on and says in verse 16, Therefore, we do not lose heart. Notice. Listen, if you don't lose heart, if you don't lose heart because you recognize why you're here, then you'll never give up. Say, therefore, we do not lose heart, though our outward man is decaying. Yeah, I'm getting older. No doubt about it. And you know what? I can't stop that my body is going to age. I have more gray hair today than I did when I first started. My wife first met me. I had a little patch of hair right here on my chest, just a little thing right here. That's it. It's right there. More than that. And now this little patch is the color of this. It's changing on me. But I keep confessing, I get better with age. I get better with age. I get better with age. Yeah, I got a few things right here on my eyes. They happen. I put some little stuff, right? Some stuff there, right? I want to take care of myself, but ultimately, hey, I'm good. My wife plucked my eyebrows for the first time a couple of days ago, maybe it's probably a month now, and she goes, man, you just had a, a facelift. <laughs> Now, I'm not against cosmetic surgery, but I just am going to defy it by just being naturally uh, in faith with God and just be... Oh, my gosh, if Caleb at 85 says, I'm just as strong today as I was when we first came in 45 years ago, I ought to look this good at 85. Now, I may have a few more wrinkles there because you put them on me. Other than that... You know what it says? Obey your leaders. Because they keep watch over your soul. And let them do this with joy and not with what? Grief. grief. That's a grief line. Because I saw your potential. And I had a tear in my eye for you. <laughs> Are you with me? Amen. And I got all this gray. Now, you know Pastor Marcy is the wisest anyway. She just doesn't let her wisdom show. I just want you to know she's wiser than I am. <laughs> she's totally wise. Totally wise. Y'all got that? Right. <laughs> Pastor Angie, on the other hand, not at all. Because she comes up with this little, you know, whatever she said at the beginning. Listen, the only reason she does this is because you gotta understand something. Two things are happening. The Bible's very clear about this, okay? It says, listen, out of the mouth of a man, there should be fresh and not bitter. Sweet, not bitter. Fresh water, not salt water. You understand what I'm saying? The faucet can't have two. The reason why I drink my stuff black, because my lips are so sweet. But Pastor Angie's lips are so bitter, she has to sweeten it with something. don't mess with me. I'm older than you. She's like, wait till you go on Greece. I said, all right, I'm going to check back in. I'll take notes. Amen. So, anyway, where were we at before I had to take that detour? <clears throat> Our outward body may be, but listen, my inward man's being renewed. Don't you understand? We ought to get more excited the older we get. Why is it that people were in their 20s or 30s or whatever it is, you know, younger, maybe even like our teenagers a lot of times or elementary age, they were happy and excited about God, and then all of a sudden they fall off? It's because they lost heart. They lost heart. They didn't keep their focus. He goes on and says it this way in verse 17. He says, look, for the momentary light affliction is producing for us an eternal weight of glory far beyond all comparison. Meaning, you're going to have problems in the life, guys. We're going to have issues. We're going to have challenges. We're going to have some things that are coming come against us. But what does Paul say in verse 18? If you've been with Anchor Faith Church for, for very long, you've heard this scripture many times. For a while we look not at the things that are seen, but the things that are not seen. For the things that are seen are temporal, but the things that are not seen are eternal. The Christian standard uh, Bible says it this way. So we do not focus on what is seen, but what is unseen. For what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. So I focus myself on the eternal things. Every time a year comes around, I'm focused on eternal. I'm focused on eternal. I'm focused on eternal. In fact, I know on the inside I'm getting equipped to run faster and stronger. I was so blown away by uh, Pastor Hagen when he was here with us in January. I told him when I took him out, I said, Pastor, you are much stronger this year than two years ago, physically. Now, he had just had a knee replacement, and there were things going on, you know, because there's pressures of life that take place. But my gosh, they came through something. Why? Because he had this vision I'm not done till I'm done. I'm not over till I'm over. I'm not retiring and quitting. My voice has to get into the planet and keep moving forward. And he's doing it. And I look to him, I say, God, that's what I'm running after. Someone that has a pursuit. Someone that is renewed day in and day out. Someone that wants to go somewhere else. But guys, it didn't always start this way. I had to take the advice that Paul said to the Thessalonians in 2 Thessalonians 3.18. But as for you, brethren, do not grow weary in doing good. I had to do that. I had to take up what Paul said to the Galatian church in chapter 6, verses 7 through 9. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, this he will also reap. For the one who sows to his own flesh will from the flesh reap corruption. But the one who sows to the Spirit will from the Spirit reap eternal life. Let us not lose heart in doing good, for in due season we will reap if we do not grow weary. I had to make a decision that when I crucified myself in uh, 1991 that I wasn't going to get weary. Weary. now in my walk with God I have quit a lot when I was younger because when pressure I'm like this is too much I what do you expect from me only to get that inward witness saying come on the greater ones on the inside of you and so I wouldn't abandon what I was destined and I'd find myself going right back I've eaten many a mattress I mean, I've gone to the bed. I've grabbed that thing in prayer. I've screamed in it to the top of my lungs. I've beat it to a pulp with my fist. Trying to get all this emotion of all the situation going when I was real young. Al, get it out of me. Only to hear God say, you done? (laughs) You done? He began to teach me. Show me. Work on me. Develop me. Say it'll get better. You got this. We ain't going nowhere. I'm not changing this thing. This is what you're destined for. My gosh, man, I was in the Baptist church fixing to quit, uh, fixing to get out of a Title 10 tour with the National Guard. Didn't know what I was going to do with my wife and two kids at the time. And I was just praying, going to church every day. I didn't realize the first time God started talking to me about the call, I didn't know it was because I couldn't discern. I wasn't even filled with the Holy Ghost. I'll never forget, I was sitting in the back of Madison Street Baptist Church in Stark, Florida, and I was sitting back there, close to the back because I'd become a good Baptist guy by then. (laughs) I was in the very back, and uh, Pastor Hugh Dampier, dude, he preached that day, man. I'm telling you, it peeled the the paint off the wall. He, He had to be 68, but he preached that day. And he gave us altar call, and one guy stepped out and came down, met him, center aisle, you know, two pews on this side, center aisle. And I, I, I remember making this statement, wow, that must be amazing to study God's word and preach like that and see someone's life come out of darkness into light, be born again. I didn't realize that was God's first nudge saying, you're gonna be doing this one day. Had no idea. No idea. But it just made an, imp- a, a, an impact in my spirit. So we were about to end this tour, and I was driving in a little town called Hampton, Florida. How I many you know where Hampton, Florida is? Yeah, not too many people. That's right. <laughs> There's a reason for that. <laughs> anyway, we were staying in my brother-in-law's trailer. Didn't even have my own place. You know what? I didn't always have what I have today. I didn't even have my own place. Staying at my brother-in-law's trailer, driving down that dirt road to get to my wife and kids, praying, God, what are we gonna do? And I heard the Lord say, go to Atlanta, Georgia. And I did, July that year, 93. I load up everything I owed uh, owed owned in the back of my brother-in-law's pickup truck because I only had one car a little Mazda 323 we call it the silver bullet that little car Marcy packed that thing full put chase in it you know he was only a year old not even a year yet and he hated to ride in the car seat it was a nightmare it was a nightmare Scream, my gosh, man, scream. Scream as red as his hair, man. My gosh, it was terrible. I mean, we had to pull over the side of the road. Mars had to get in the back, hold him. He's such a mama's kid. Such a mama's kid. He screamed, man, like bloody murder. I had to drive the truck, which was a blessing. (laughs) Because, Chase, I know what was going down over there. You could do car seats in the front seat, which, I mean, even if you... Yeah, you could back then. It wasn't illegal. Um, anyway, an uh, uh, overpass had got knocked out on I-75 north to Atlanta. It took me four hours, or it took me two hours to go four miles. We pulled off at Jasper Exit and um, got us some Dairy Queen, pulled another little place, and here we are. I've heard God, <laughs> and we're six hours into a six-hour trip and hadn't even left the state of Florida. Most people turn around and go back. But there's something about not losing heart. And so here I am, for you who don't know this particular testimony, I'll tell it to some of you who've never heard us before, some of you have and you will love it. But here I am, got my truck parked, With the trailer, my wife's car, all right, it's 5.30 at night now. It's time to get back on the road. Thank God for daylight savings time. And so we're going to go, my wife goes to crank up the car, it's dead, dead as a doornail. It won't even, like, click, nothing. It's like, like, are you serious? All these people are there nobody has jumper cables. I'm at a fill-in station. Those are not real anymore. You know, they're just glorified jiffy stores with, you know, So, here I am, everything I own in Jasper, Florida, six hours into a trip, glory to God. And my car, got a crying baby. So, here I am, got the hood up, you know, I don't know what to do. I'm not a mechanic at all. I don't even like to get my hands dirty with grease, right? Y'all know that. So here I am, like, wow. I mean, I know some things, but I, I mean, I know I needed jumper cables. So I'm like, man, I'll, so here comes a guy, no shirt. This guy had to be at least six foot two, six one, six two, probably, and he was probably 130 pounds, man. I mean, he was like bone. But he was no shirt, no shoes, cut off jean shorts where the white pockets were hanging out. He was a sight, man. His kids didn't have no shoes on either, running around with him. He goes, what's going on? <laughs> my, my car will not start. Oh, really? Yeah. You got any cables? No. No. <laughs> That's Captain Obvious, but obviously I'm stuck, so he's just covering all bases. No, Hatton. I said, no. I said, I got another. He said, "Was well, the other truck crank? I said, yeah. He said, okay. Pop the hood. I said, "But well, I don't have any jumper cables. Don't worry about it. So we popped the hood, and he said, you got a pair of pliers? I said, yeah, I do. He said, okay, give me those pliers. He takes the battery out of the truck, takes it over to the car and sets it down. He says, "Um, and and inside her car, there was, you know, that's where the jack was. And so he takes the tire iron and the pliers and opens them up. He said, now get in. Barefoot. This is a true story. We'll make it to a book one day. Get in. And so, I don't know what he did, but I know what he did. Because he put that, you know he went post to post with that stuff, and he goes, hit it. <laughs> so, I hit it. And there's a little click, 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 click. I don't know what was happening with him, because the hood's up. And I stopped it, you know, because I think I'm electrocuting the guy. going to die. Are we going to commit murder right here? And we're in the will of God. This is amazing. So he's fine. No, no smoke's coming out of his ear. Hit it again. So I hit that thing and kept hitting it till it cranked up. That guy saved my day that day. Put the, the battery back in my truck, it cranked up, and we were gone. Six and a half hours later, we made it to our new home. Every time from that time on, anytime I went north on 75. Because I'd ask him where he was from. He said, I'm from Sylvester, Georgia. There's a little exit that says, Sylvester, Georgia, around Tifton. And I, every time I passed, I would pray for Junior and his family. Years. Pastor Marston said, years. About a year ago, maybe two. Maybe three. I don't know. Time goes by fast. No way is five. No, you're like Sean. You have no concept of time right now. <laughs> no way. Probably three. I'll give her three. We'll meet in the middle. It's called compromise. You all see that? Year, five, three. So three years ago. That's a lesson in marriage communication, all right? We won't talk about this after service. This will not go to the car of how long it was. This will be done right here. Three years, okay? Anyway, there was a a couple that came, and I told that story. And they came up and said, I have a cousin named Junior who lives in Sylvester. I said, are you serious? Yes, so they called, and sure enough, it's the guy. It's the guy. Now, you're talking 20-something years later. Good news, he's born again. Now, I don't know about you, but I'm just telling you right now, God brought them here just to let me know that those prayers every time I went made an effect on that man's life and his family. Wow. 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 So there's this not giving up. As we get older, we got to have this fire in our belly. And we went up there, and it didn't turn out like I thought. But in the process of being there and hearing that voice at that time and being there where I was, God in Atlanta ends up calling me into ministry. My wife and I never got out of my father-in-law's house. I got there and he in his great wisdom stay here nah because my thought was we're gonna show them how God lives I went into an apartment he said stay I said go he said, said stay I said go he said stay I went that night the plagues of Egypt happened in that apartment there were more roaches in there they were carrying our stuff out that's a real deal I mean maybe they didn't carry our stuff but there was that many I mean I was scared And then my wife wasn't feeling the same. So we bought one of those tests. And it popped hot. So now I've moved my family. No job. Just put all my money down on a place that the roaches win. And my wife's pregnant. And I'm in God's will. except for that location, because God sure helped me out. I called uh, my father-in-law back. I said, man, I blew. we need to come back, and he graciously said, come on. So I loaded all that stuff back, and the apartment gave me my money back. That was God's mercy on my life, because he was with me, and he was for me. And we went back, and I never got out of his home. My whole desire was that I was gonna follow God, people were gonna see us follow God, we were gonna prosper. They're gonna say, man, we want that kind of life. Never left the home, ever. Never did. But in the process, God knew this was temporary anyway. As I was going to work one day off of uh, 75, getting on to 285 to get over to uh, the other side of Atlanta around where Six Flags of Atlanta is, my windshield disappeared on my Ford Ranger, and I saw myself ministering for hundreds of thousands of people. I mean, that's the only number I knew back then, you know. That was my biggest number at the time. Because I'd been thinking, if I get this job as a computer programmer, I'll make six a- annual figure of six, you know, six digits, hundreds of thousands of dollars being a programmer in Atlanta. Had it all planned out, guys. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. I was smart. Graduated. I, I could have went to college. I, I mean, I could have done this. And now I'm married, three kids, working factory stuff, admin stuff, Well, below my potential, seeing everybody else do well, and I'm thinking, what have I done with my life? But all the while, following God. And then God calls me into ministry. I come back and tell my wife, I'm called to ministry. You know what she says? I didn't call, I didn't marry a pastor. We know what happened. (laughs) But in that moment, I left and went to Bible school because I went natural. I thought, well, I got to get trained, right? I mean, if you're going to be a pastor, you got to get trained. And so I went to a Bible school that some people she knew was at, and we left Atlanta and went all the way to Columbia, South Carolina, and it was the biggest mistake of our lives. It was at this moment that my wife started pulling on something she had when she was younger called being filled with the Holy Ghost with evidence of speaking in tongues. I still was not there at all. And I had made a wrong choice and took our family somewhere. But in my heart was right. What I love about my wife is that she didn't condemn me for making a wrong choice with a right heart. See, if you don't watch out, a lot of times, we, if our heart's right, we can still make a wrong choice and have to reroute ourselves, allow God to reroute our lives back. It's totally different than having the wrong heart, and not making any choice at all. And because of commitment, she didn't run from me, leave me, bolt from me, though she's seen it all of her life. She stayed. And we were there about six months. And during that time, man, people were dropping food off at our place. Paying. I mean, it, we had nothing. And then we came back to Florida. But I didn't come back to Florida with my tail between my legs. I came back saying, okay, God, I blew it. I missed it. What do I do? Where do we go from here? At that point, God ended up bringing me into an Assembly God church. That Then I got filled with the Holy Ghost. And, man, that changed my life. From there, I began to youth pastor with this individual. There was a year while we were there that we lived off of $12,000 in a year. It's amazing how God kept us because we were just pursuing. The thing is, I didn't lose heart of what had called because I said, I'm going to live the second birth. At that church, you know, we had a big revival, and in 97, God calls me to Ramah. That pastor ends up leaving the church and wants to t- took another church in OCalo down in Marion Oaks. So I followed. He pulled me. He wanted me to go bad. He wanted me to stay. He never wanted me to leave him. So he pulled me down. He said, look, you know, I'll send you all from here. Start a youth ministry down here. <coughs> I'll send you all from here. There, there's more people down here. There, you'll get bigger offerings down here for me to send you. And I was naive. I didn't know. I was just hungry, trying to get somewhere. So I pursued. I stayed at my job at Camp Blanding and went down to Ocala. Every day I drove almost two hours. Started the youth ministry there. And in the process, I began to negotiate with God. Surely I could just do it here. Surely they'll put me in. He kept telling me, I'll get you on. I'll get you on full time. He never wanted me to leave. And I had made a decision, that's it, we'll stay, we'll stay. Told my wife, we're gonna stay, this is great. I'm in my prime, I'm 27. My gosh, if I get any older, I'm gonna fall apart. <laughs> 20-somethings, I'm telling you, life's good in 40s. And we ain't even got old yet. Amen? I just heard all the 60s say, we ain't old either. <laughs> that's fine, don't be old. Don't be old, because you are strong in the Spirit. If you hold on to this thing that you're called and don't lose heart to what you've been and know that as you live a life in the spirit, pursuing God, you're going to reap of that thing. My wife and I, all we did was just kept pursuing and pursuing and pursuing and pursuing. And there was challenges and there was issues, but we didn't lose heart that we're going to get somewhere. How could God fail us? We were consistent in church all of our lives, consistent in God's word, and consistently stepped out even when it was wrong. Because God has this great way of rerouting our lives even if we miss it, even if we miss it. And so I decided and then on one of the, my trips back, you know, two-hour trip back to the house, God says, you're blowing it if you stay. Just that emphatic. And I went and told the pastor, I'm done. I'm out of here, man. I can't do it. I I can't get away from it. I'm going to have to go. And what divine appointments did God set up for me out at Ramah? And here my wife and I, we sit in class. The first few minutes, we're like, wow, I don't even know the Bible. Yet preached hundreds of messages. And then began to see people. And I remember my wife said, see that guy right there? His name was Marty Blackwelder. Said, man, I believe we're going to have a relationship with one, him one day. And all we are are students. They don't even know that we exist. He'll be here May 20th. We have a relationship with that man. Does your gift make room for you? We just served, went to Ramah, served. And it was very easy for us at Ramah because we said, let's do what they need most children. So that's what we did. Did children's ministry. Had a great time doing children's ministry. And then there was another time we went to camp meeting and saw Pastor Darrell and thought, wow, we'd like to have a relationship. And now today I have a relationship with that man, slept in his house. Going to be traveling to Greece with him on Tuesday. Wow. God did that. Because you're just faithful. Because we didn't lose heart. Because there are many times I could have said, nah, let's do something else. I'm going to do something else. I'm going to go somewhere else. This is too much. This is too hard. It's too this. It's too that. But man, when you keep staying with God, you're like, it's okay. We're going to come through. This is temporary. This is not eternal. What's eternal is I stay my course and I don't grow weary. These are the choices we make. So every time I celebrate a birthday, I get excited because it's another year into my destiny, another year into our purpose, another year into doing something God's called us. Because my gosh, if God's brought us to this point at at my age of 48, where are we going to be when I'm 68? Where are we going to be together at that moment? Where will God have taken us? Who will we have influenced by that time? And I remember Kenneth e. Hagin, before he went on to be with the Lord, he was 57 when God birthed Ramah in a meeting out of him. 57! Most people are thinking, I'll retire in five years. Eight years, I'm going to retire. Ten years, I'm going to retire, I'm done. And he's like, we're going to start a school. <laughs> I got John Hansen down in Haiti, 75, saying, let's build an auditorium. 5,000 on this mountain. glory to God. Yeah, his body's older, but on the inside, he's renewed day by day, day by day, day by day. I'm telling you, if you're 20-something, you ain't even started to scratch the surface. And I don't care how far ahead you think God has for you. Man, it's going to be even bigger. That's why I want to put you on a foundation in your 20s that when you get to my age, you'll be even further ahead. My gosh, man. This thing just keeps going, keeps moving beyond our lives, man. This is a powerful time. And when we begin to celebrate, not the natural birthday as much as I was born again, that second one significantly changed my life. It took a guy from a little town outside of Gainesville, Florida called Archer. One stoplight still today. One, they got a library now. I think they even have a Dollar General. They do have a Dollar General. I, we're moving up, people. I've asked the Lord, can I move back there and be mayor? <laughs> I got big vision. <laughs> I'm not going. Anyway, but from that little place, the Lord said, this guy, this guy, if feel will just sow to the Spirit and don't grow weary, and he brought me to you, he brought me to you. He's given me a life of triumph. He put in me 1 Corinthians chapter 15, 57. He put in this, but thanks be to God who gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. May, my dear brothers and sisters. Therefore, my, my beloved brethren, be steadfast. Guys, be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. The opportunities that are in my life today. Because of my answering by receiving the blood of Jesus in 79 and walking into total lordship in 1991, the things that are happening are the combination of all of those days that I walk with him. This didn't happen overnight. It's just as significant that I followed his spirit What's just as significant that I followed the Spirit is that I didn't lose heart. I didn't quit. And my wife didn't quit. Neither of us shipwrecked our destiny. We just maintained the course. We became steadfast and immovable in Christ. By ourselves, I'd have been done a long time ago. Because in the flesh, you can't do it. But in the anointing that God graces your life with, you can. And He's brought me before very remarkable people. I love Anchor Faith Church and that God birthed this ministry here through us. I love it. I love it but also know that God didn't contain us here to keep us here, that he needs you and I both to go beyond our city, to touch our nation and the world,